Well, can I welcome you to our Sunday morning service, commencing at 11 o'clock. It's a long time since we have commenced service at 11 o'clock. And wearing masks and wearing glasses and wearing hearing aids, hearing aids makes things very difficult, taking things on and off. And as you've seen, I got caught up with the, the microphone trying to get my mask off. But it's good that we can meet together and fellowship together and worship together. And as we meet, we're going to continue on where we've been looking at over the last number of weeks. And we're continuing on in our studies in Luke. So we're reading this morning from Luke chapter 5, where we finished off last week. Luke chapter 5 and commencing at verse 12. Luke 5 and verse 12, and it reads as such. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for proof of them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when God perceived their thoughts, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. And that's where we'll leave off for the, the reading this morning. Just to recap on what we've already learned about Luke as we have looked at it over the last number of weeks, we have seen already that nowhere in the book is Luke's, name's, Luke's name mentioned. There's no reference at all to him by name. So how do we know that it is from Luke? Well, the book of Acts is a sister uh, book that was 
in style and nature and of nature the same as the author of this book. And it was addressed to the same person, Theophilus. And by correlation, they were both by the same author. And in the book of Acts, he mentions being with people. And again, those that have the expert knowledge have worked it back and realized that the person who was with Paul is in fact Luke. And so we have this authority that Luke is the author of this book that we're reading today. And again, early Christian manuscripts dating back to about 170 AD verify the text that we're looking at today. So some 2,000 years later from when it was penned, we can say this is the word of Luke. This is God's word to uh, the apostle Luke. And so we're coming again uh, to hear what he has to say to us. Look, it is right, it was a Gentile, a non-Jew, a Gentile like us. And his desire to write this book was that he would uh, clearly state and lay out who Jesus Christ was, that he was the Son of God, and that Jesus did come to the earth to save all mankind, not just the Jews, but for everyone. And right at the beginning of the chapter, as we noticed in the first lesson, we've seen the, the reason that Luke has penned this chapter. If you turn back to chapter one, we can read the first four verses, and we'll get that outline of the book. And it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to complete a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And if we can have certainty again this morning as we come to his word and as we realize what Luke has been teaching Theophilus here. Paul, uh, in, one, in his writings, identifies Luke as a doctor. So he has that um, scientific background when he examines the events that have occurred and the, the, the the recount of the, the tales that have happened, he will have gone into detail and made sure that they were correct. And he says from the beginning, he has uh, checked on those details. He was a servant and a minister with Paul. In fact, he went on several missionary journeys with Paul, so he has experience of preaching the gospel alongside Paul. In fact, in Second Timothy, in, uh, in that second letter to Timothy, he actually says to the, the church there that Luke is the only one left with me. Everybody else is gone. He sent them away. Some have, have left of their own accord. And he says, Luke is the only one with me. Maybe because he was a doctor, maybe he was tending for Paul at the end of his life there. And so we have here this authority that Paul, or that Luke has said in terms of why he's running it. Luke appears to be widely educated in the Greek culture and in the Greek language. Uh, and so he has that, uh, that style that particularly relates to the Gentile believers in the Gentile church. And we see that uh, again as we go through this book. In the chapter 3, uh, we see again, uh, after we have gone through uh, 
the introduction here, uh, we see that Jesus was baptized, and at the time of his baptism, uh, the Father actually spoke and confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God. In verse 21 of chapter 3, it says, Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. The heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Luke here is making it clear that Jesus Christ, and an eyewitness account, that the Father came down, the Holy Spirit was present, the Trinity of God was there, and Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In the next verse, Luke tells us that Jesus commenced his ministry at about 30 years of age. And chapter 4, last, or a couple of weeks ago, Peter was uh, reading again as Jesus had come down from the mountain from the, the 40 days in the wilderness being tempted. He entered the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, his hometown, and he took the scroll down and he started reading from the book of Isaiah. And he read a portion from the scroll from Isaiah in the Old Testament. And it's, he read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then on, on down in verse 21, he says, And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Again, acknowledging Jesus himself, that he was the Messiah, the, the God who was, who was foretold to come in the Scriptures. This, he was saying, I am that person. And as we looked at that passage from Isaiah, we realized the word poor did not um, relate to those who were financially uh, Lacking, It wasn't dealing with people who had no money. A poor in the text here is talking about those in terms of their status, who had a low status, those who were considered to be outsiders. And look here as a Gentile was maybe considering the Gentiles as being outsiders, those really who weren't part. Uh, Jesus came particularly to, to proclaim the good news to those types of people, those who are poor. And it says to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Again, this is taking us back to the year of Jubilee where the slaves were released. Those that were in captivity received release from their, captive, their captivity. Those who were in debt had their debts cancelled. And again, this is Jesus coming to proclaim his ministry to release people from their captivity, their debts, and to set them free. Last week, uh, Peter was looking at the lake and, and the calling of the first disciples, and we've seen there at the end in verse 11 of chapter 5, and when they had brought their boats inland, they left everything and followed him. The cost of following Jesus, they sacrificed all and followed after Jesus. And so we commence today's lesson in verse 12 here. And it says, In one of the cities there came a man full of leprosy. 
Now, I've been brought up in church all my life. I can remember sitting in missionary meetings. I can remember sitting even in, uh, in youth fellowship meetings and listening to the, the representative of the Leprosy Society, the Mission of the Lepers, coming and, and talking about this disease. And I, like me, I'm sure many of you have pictures in your head of those people who had suffered uh, this disease and had lost parts of their hands or their legs. And we have those images in our, our, our mind of what a leprous person was. I looked up the, the web page for the society the other day, and even today there's reckoned to be 200,000 new cases of leprosy every year. 200,000 new cases of leprosy. Now, today it's treatable. Today it can be dealt with, and there are a number of agencies working within the leprosy and the leper community. But if we go back to the time that Luke is writing this text here, it is a totally different scenario. There were no people working with lepers here. In fact, if you were declared leprous, which was a generic term for any type of skin condition, if you were called leprous, you had to leave home. Not just leave home, you had to be considered as somebody who had died. No longer could you come in contact with anybody. No longer could you come in contact with your family. No longer could you come anywhere near or in the vicinity of anybody else. In fact, the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus lays out uh, details of how people who were leprous should behave. They had certain clothes they were supposed to wear. They were supposed to shout, on clean, on clean, if they came near or anybody came near to them. They were supposed to maybe to ring a bell if they had that. With. They were supposed to indicate that they were unclean and unworthy of anyone coming near to them. And so we have these people who were declared leprous to be sent away in the colonies. They left their families never, ever again to have any connection with them, never to have any relationship with any other human being apart from those who suffered from leprosy. And they usually lived in the wilderness or the desert or in caves and amongst themselves. But we have this picture here in verse 12 here, and we read it again. And when he saw Jesus, this man who came full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. Now, you can just picture this man who was uh, declared unclean, and he'd come to the presence of Jesus. Maybe he'd heard the stories that were going about. He'd heard of the healings, and he came to be and to meet Jesus Christ. And he fell on his face, it says, and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I, we maybe have lost, you know, what that must have mean to that leprosy, that leper to come before Jesus Christ. He was putting himself, I would imagine, in danger. Somebody who wasn't allowed to be in company of other people, yet he was coming and throwing himself in front of Jesus and begging him to be healed. It was considered that even breathed the air from a leper that you were unclean. If you came in contact with so many feet, you were considered unclean. And yet here he's coming before the Lord Jesus. He's come before this teacher that he had heard about, and he knows that he can make him clean. And then the next verse, in verse 13, we see this uh, 
this comment here that Luke, Luke the physician is putting in here. And it says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, that's just totally mind-blowing for that time and that period that somebody would actually touch a leper, that you would reach out and physically touch them. And here we have this picture, this humanity, this care that Jesus is showing to this individual, that he reached out and touched him. And uh, in verse, verse 13 it says, And touched him, saying, I will. He recognized what the leopard claimed. If you will, and Jesus said, I will be clean. And immediately it says, the leprosy had left him. I don't know what you would have felt like. I mean, we, we can't really imagine what it must be like. We have a very small, small insight of what it must have been like over the last few months when we have been in a degree of isolation, where we've maybe not been able to physically meet with our relatives or our children or our parents or our grandchildren, but at least we could see them. At least we could come near to them. At least we could communicate them via other devices. But for this man who had been devoid of, of human contact to have received this healing, you'd have thought he would be overwhelmed and wanting to tell everybody. But the next two verses here, the instructions that Jesus gives to him appear to be at odds with it. He says to him in verse um, 14, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded him. Um, there was no uh, treatment for leprosy. There was no forgiveness. There was no um, offering that could be offered on behalf of a leper that could uh, make forgiveness for it. But a leper could be declared ceremoniously clean if he went back and showed himself to be having no symptoms of the skin disease. And so Jesus is actually fulfilling the law. Jesus is actually completing what the law is saying. You know, this comment that we uh, have heard often, that Jesus didn't come back here to do away with the law, to abolish the law. He came back to fulfill the law. So Jesus is actually fulfilling the law here when he's saying to this uh, leper, go back have the priest be declared clean and be declared ceremoniously clean and then you can tell the people that meant going back for a time of quarantine it's odd that in the period of time that we're living in people here have even been in quarantine uh, lately that when you went back to the priest in order to be declared clean you had to go into this period of quarantine before the priest then would come and examine you and check your your hair, if you had any difficulty with me, check your your beard, which is a possibility. Check your skin, and then you could be declared ceremoniously clean, and then you could go back to your family. And it comes there. It says, even though he was told not to do, not to tell anybody, and I assume that he did go back. It doesn't text doesn't make it clear here. But in verse 15 it says, But now even more the report was going about him went abroad, and great crowds 
gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. Jesus was somebody people wanted to come to, somebody they knew who could heal their, their infirmities, who could deal with their sicknesses. And many people came to be healed. And verse 16 is another interesting comment here, again from the physician, possibly putting this in as a, a bit of medical wisdom and how you deal with busy situation. In verse 16 it says, but he, that's Jesus, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. It's good sometimes to just have that quietness, to just be alone is just to be with yourself. In the busy world that we live in, in, a, in a, a, a society that calls for your attention constantly, whilst the uh, social media, through the television, through the papers, through our work, it's calling for our attention almost 24 hours, seven days a week. And here we have this example of Jesus in the midst of all the busyness, Make, takes himself off into a desolate place, a quiet place, but doesn't take himself off solely to be quiet, to be away from people. He takes himself off to, it says here, to pray, to talk to his father. This is a father-to-son communication, son-to-father communication. And maybe that's what we need to do when we're in desert places, when we're in a busy situation. We need to take this time. We need to make this commitment to take ourselves away and commune with our Father, to talk to Him, to have that conversation with our Father. It's an important verse just put in there. It's sort of like uh, a wee comment in the end of that text, but it's important for us today to continue that communication, to continue that relationship with our Father. Now, in the next section, we're going to look at verse 17. Uh, it says, One of those days he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law, was sitting there who had come from every village, Galilee and Judea, and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Uh, and we have here this outline of the people. From Judea and Galilee and Jerusalem it was probably about 90-odd miles in distance. And so they probably come th up through the Jordan and up through Galilee and uh, the Dead Sea and traveled up that way. Doesn't make it clear what villages were there, but maybe all the, the villages along the coast there. Jerusalem is mentioned because it was a bit more inland. And they traveled to hear and to see Jesus. They came along to hear what he was saying. And these particular, uh, some of the text calls them scribes and Pharisees. Uh, and they're, they're interesting here in terms of uh, what they're declared to be, uh, what, they were, what they were as they came along. The Pharisees, again, was one particular sect whose, whose sole role was to make sure that they were, people were following the law. And then a scribe, or as it says in, in, in verse uh, 21, was somebody who copied the law down, copied the first five books, and they made copies of it. So they were people who were religious. They were people who knew God's teaching in the Old Testament. And they had come, to, obviously, to hear what Jesus was saying. And as they were sitting there, this man who was paralyzed came, obviously, to hear Jesus as well. Uh, and his friends were bringing him in a bed, uh, and they were seeking him to 
lamb before Jesus. And this is a story that probably most of us have heard uh, in our Sunday school days, in our youth club days, in our, our, our church days as well. And I have pictures in some of the, the flashcards that we used to see. And some of these had big beds, wooden beds, that they were lowering them down through the ceiling. In reality, the bed that he was lying on was probably just a rug or a palias. Now, some of you are saying, what's a palias? Um, and in my teenage days, uh, when I was in camping with the BB, as an advanced party, one of the jobs we had to do was fill a sack full of straw, and that's what you lay on, and that's what you slept on. So if you were like me, one of the ones who were filling, you had a nice full sack to lie on. If you were at the end of the pile of hay that was there, you had a fairly thin sack to lay on. It didn't really matter. It wasn't comfortable no matter what straw. And this is probably what this guy was lying on. The paralyzed man was lying on something like that, either a rug or a, a sack full of straw. And the, the man had uh, got to the roof and lowered him down. Um, and the Jesus, it says here in verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I don't know if the paralyzed man, that was the words he expected to hear. I don't know if the friends, as they held him and lowered him down, is that what they expected to hear? Maybe they thought that he would say, you're healed or get, you know, rise up. But the first thing that Jesus said to him, uh, man, your sins are forgiven me. And in verse 21, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, and saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Now, sometimes the scribes and the Pharisees get a bad name. Rightly so, because as we look later on in this book, we find out that they plotted against Jesus. They were not uh, supporters of Jesus. But can you can imagine, for the first time coming to hear somebody say, Your sins are forgiven, if they didn't react to that, you would have thought, well, they really didn't know what they were supposed to be teaching. So the Pharisees acknowledged that here was somebody who was claiming to be God. And they were saying, what sort of person is that who can claim to be God? Now, remember, Luke is setting out here to make sure that people know that this man is the Son of God. And the Pharisees saying, he's blaspheming. He can't do that. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They knew that God alone can forgive sins. And Jesus, it says, verse 22, perceived their thoughts. He answered them and said, why do you question in your hearts? Why do you question? Do you not recognize who I am? Do you not know that I am the Son of God? There's a, there's a warning for us that we can be religious and probably, if I'm being honest myself, I was religious in that, in fact, I used to tell people I was religious just to get them off my back um, and not really know God. And we can claim an, adher an adherence to God and not really have a relationship with God. And these people knew about God, but they still hadn't recognized that Jesus was the Son of God and that He was the Redeemer. And they didn't ever come to that uh, as, a, as a group of people. And he says, what is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? It's the same if somebody came up to here and said to me, I've got a cold. I says, well, your cold is gone. 
you know, you could walk out and the words don't mean, you know, if you don't see the actions from, from the words. And so to confirm that he was the son of God, Jesus then says to the man, rise and walk. He says, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Again, the idea of a, a rug or a sack full of straw gives that availability how you can roll it up and, and walk out with your bed. It's not a big four-poster wooden structure that he was laying on. It was something you could pick up and walk away with. And so at the end of verse 26, uh, I sat and read this the other day as I was looking at it uh, and thought, an amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. <clears throat> and as I read that, I read it with a, an impassionate nature. You know, it didn't really, you know, it was something that happened, but how did it apply to me? Was it really anything that was uh, significant to me? I suppose we all come to church um, wearing our own, wearing different masks. Uh, excuse that pun, I didn't mean that. That's it. But we put on the sense of our own self-righteousness, our own self-worth when we come before God. We can pretend to be uh, more important or more religious than we really are. And, uh, and we, we come to text, and we read this text here, and we think, uh, an amazement seized them and glorified and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. And the reality is, as we sit here this morning, we have seen extraordinary things today in each one of our lives. When I looked back and thought about these two passages that we have looked at, this idea of the paralyzed man being led down on the roof and being told your sins are forgiven, not that you're healed, you're cured from your paralysis, but your sins have been dealt with. We realize the most important thing for all of us is that our sins are dealt with, not our condition is made better, not that our situation is made more comfortable, not that whatever is troubling us is taken away, but we need to know that our sins are forgiven. And that's the prime, prime, primary reason Jesus came, to forgive our sins. And then we look back to the leper, and we think of that leper who was outcast, who had no family, who had no relationship, who was considered dead. And we look at ourselves uh, and really it's a picture of us, isn't it? It's a picture of us before we came to God. And we were dead, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We had no relationship with God. We had no concern about God. We had no desire for God. But this verse here that we read, but God... Uh, and Jesus stretched out his hand in verse 13 and touched him. 
the reality is, for those of us who know Jesus, Jesus has stretched out his hand and touched us as unclean, as unworthy, as undeserving sinners who were separated from God, who were considered dead because of our nature. God reached out his hand and touched us. And not only did he touch us, but he healed us. And we are now in Christ. So in first, that same uh, chapter of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 6 is, but God, rich in mercy because of the great love which he had loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. This is the humanity that God had for us, now his children. He says, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We need to know that our sins to forgive are forgiven. We need to come in amazement and acknowledge that by grace we have been saved, that God has done extraordinary things in our lives individually. And if we don't know that's extraordinary change in our lives, then we need to come and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ came to release us from that penalty, that debt that we owed, that our sins could be dealt with, that our separation from God could be made clean and we could come as a child of God before him. And as I thought about that the other day at home, a hymn came into my head. And it's a well-known hymn, and it's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And, uh, you know, we can be cold in terms of what God has done for us. And we come... And I put this on my iPad, and I put it through the speakers in the house. May wasn't in the house. She was away working. And I put it through the speakers, and I turned the volume up, and I listened to it. And I worshipped God and marveled at the extraordinary thing that he had done for me. And I can't sing it this morning, but I want to read just a few verses. I did put it on Facebook. If anybody happened to be on Facebook, I did put it up on Facebook on the day that I was listening to it. And I just want to read um, the well-known, maybe two verses, three verses here. And it says, my sin, this is the personal nature of God, that he loved me, he loved you, that he stretched out his hand and touched me when I didn't have a thought. My sin Oh, the bliss, oh, the joy, oh, the wonder of this, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. I don't know about you. I mean, I know what I'm like, but my sin, not just a wee bit, but all of it has been dealt with. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear no more. It's an amazing thing that God has done for us. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord, O my soul. And then the, the last verse is, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump will resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well, it is well with my soul. Can you sing that? Can you say that this morning? If you can't say that, then you need to see and put that right. Acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. Come to him in faith and reach out and he will be there.